Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. week of the football season as we have Super Bowl Sunday on the horizon, but we aren't going to be talking any nonsense about the big game this week because we're all about the Miami Dolphins here on Finsider Radio. My name is Jake Mendel. Joining me as always is Josh Houts. And Josh, the important question here is, we're not talking Super Bowl. Instead, could you imagine getting a shower of Rav Reese's peanut butter cups? I have to imagine that's that you got to get a couple cuts or something from that. That sounds a little painful. It does, and, and fun fact, I actually live up here in central Pennsylvania. We're getting a ton of snow right now, but my mom actually worked at Reese's when I was a kid, so I I was probably in Brian Flores, same exact situation where I just, you know, had way too many <laughs> peanut butter cups, but man, that, that was just awesome to see it. I mean, it wasn't expected. I mean, I can understand with everything going on that they didn't want to do a Gatorade bath, but, uh, you know, Brian Flores was asked why he didn't pick one up, and he's just like, I, I've had enough, but... Um, that that's where we're at, and we hope to someday, you know, we are in the Super Bowl, and that is a Gatorade bath, and you know, we're preparing for that big stage. I have to say, uh, Reese's definitely taste better when they're frozen. Fun fact. Uh, but Josh, absolutely, we, we got to start the show with the other episode, more quarterback talk. Josh, we had a big trade happen, and, and after I wrote it down, I, I I feel like I'm missing something because I I don't think I see the full picture. Matthew Stafford was traded to the Rams. The Rams received Stafford. Man Campbell, the Detroit Lions, received first-round picks in 2022-2023. A third-round pick this year, and quarterback Jared Goff, also inheriting the four years, $106 million remaining on his contract. Josh, what were your initial reactions when seeing this trade go down? I mean, I was just shocked. I was like, wow. I mean, no one really expected this. And it just kind of, you know, puts to rest that whole thing about, okay, well, the Dolphins want Deshaun Watson. You know, they can't make this trade until the league year starts. No, that's not how this works. I mean, we just saw this trade go down. And it's just crazy because I think someone said over the last seven years, I don't think the the Rams have had a draft pick in the first round. We see that they're consistently competing. So is that the way to go about things? I don't know. And for the Lions, I mean, to get that type of value and to get Jared Goff in return, I I mean, I don't think very highly of Jared Goff, but to get him as well as, you know, two two first round picks later down the road. I mean, I love that deal. And I think that's the perfect start for man Campbell. And, you know, he got that six year contract for a reason. So he's going to be there long term. So I think I like it for both teams. I think it's a slight upgrade for the Rams. And, um, you know, I think it gives the Lions all the capital, kind of like we always see with the Dolphins to build upon the future. I was a little shocked because there isn't a first-round pick in this year's draft, and obviously that's because the Rams already traded that pick away. 
But but Josh, I had a feeling that this wasn't a huge earth shattering deal. I mean, I look at what the Lions are going to try to do. Um, you know, obviously it's just one first round pick this year, not getting a second one for this season. You're thinking Jared Goff, they're going to use him as their starting quarterback for the next two years. I think that's when they can start to slide away from some of that money. But the big question is, how can you draft a quarterback high and pay Jared Goff that much money? Is there a way the Lions could possibly move up this year in the draft for a quarterback? Or does it seem like they're kind of going at a very unique rebuild where they're going to be able to fill out Jared Goff in this roster with a couple pieces? DeAndre Swift, a great running back. couple you know, weapons in the receiving core. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, that's the million-dollar question. You sit here and you see with the Dolphins. I mean, I immediately thought, okay, well, this gives them – uh, that prime opportunity to trade back, you know, maybe they take the seven pick, uh, the number seven overall pick this year, and then they take one of those additional picks in 2022. And, you know, a lot of teams, a lot of fans are like, okay, well, well, that's not a pick this year. That's not kind of what we want. We want an additional pick this year. You can't be greedy. I mean, we see what the Dolphins have built. So if, if this is the way to go about it, they can trade down. They can take a Jamar Chase, a Devontae Smith. I mean, as we talked about in previous podcasts, that would be the ideal situation. But I think, again, a six-year contract, you know, all this draft capital in 2022 and 2023. And then even Jared Goff, I think he had some comments where he said that the coaching staff made it sound like he might be the guy. So we'll see how it plays out. But uh, immediately my first reaction was if they want a quarterback, if they want a Justin Fields, and and, or Zach Wilson, and we know the New York Jets, you know, decide to stick with Sam Darnold. That would be the primetime trade-down spot. So, so we'll see how it works out. But, um, you know, again, I think it's just a blockbuster to happen a week before the Super Bowl. It just wasn't really expected that Matt Stafford, I mean, we know he was going to be moved. But to see it happen this quickly and to apparently have so many teams interested, I mean, uh, that's kind of exciting. I was a little surprised, though, because the other offers started to kind of leak out after the fact. Uh, Carolina offered the eighth overall pick and a later pick. Washington, the 19th overall pick and a third round pick. Uh, Indy never offered their first round pick. San Fran, no official offer. Probably weren't going to offer up that number 12 overall pick. Denver, maybe a pick swap. New England, a second round pick and a player. Maybe Gilmore. I know he was in trade rumors over the past few years. Chicago and the Jets checked in. No offer. This kind of puts into context how I feel about the trade itself. I mean, I don't think there was a lot of movement or, or earth-shattering earth developments in this trade. Just because I see that this was the quote-unquote, you know, best offer. There was never, you know, no other team offered two first-round picks. And that just kind of tells you how much they had to trade to really get rid of Jared Goff's deal along with, you know, acquiring Stafford. Yeah, I don't even think you talked about the best part about this whole thing. And I know it has a lot to do with Matt Patricia being back home with, with yes. Bill Belichick. But he came right out. And, and I think a report came out and said Stafford, uh, you know, completely refused to go to New England. So, I mean, my how the mighty have fallen. And it's just it's just funny to see. Yes, I know it had to do again with Matt Patricia. But I'm just going to act like it's because, uh, you know, New England's a cesspool and, and this dumpster file that no one wants to play for. But, Jake, the million-dollar question here, and you know it's going to get into the Sean Watson talk, the inevitable Deshaun Watson talk. So maybe we'd rather say it for the end of the show. But, um, you know, what do you think this does, you know, for a potential trade? Because a lot of people see a 32-year-old Matt Stafford who, yes, he's had a lot of success. Yes, he's been one of those fringe, you know, top seven, top ten quarterbacks, you know, throughout his career. But what would this mean to a 25-year-old Deshaun Watson? What would that mean to a guy who, again, holds all the trade value? And maybe this is something we want to tease now and talk about later. But, uh, you know, this definitely has a trickle-down effect. But in a way, it really doesn't affect the Deshaun Watson trade. That's that's the biggest point of it all, Josh, I think. And, and that's that I don't think it has any impact on the trade because you think about – uh, what the Rams traded, first-round picks next year and the following year. 
You think what the Miami Dolphins have this year alone, that third overall pick, in the sake of these trades, that that's viewed as two first-round picks. That's what I'm seeing on Twitter. That is the law. That's just kind of how we have created our own economy in terms of draft picks. Third overall, that's two picks. And then you have 18, and 18 this year is more valuable than a pick next year, no matter what, just because not only do you get it sooner, but you know where it is. You know exactly what you're getting. So I don't really see this as something you can really compare to too much because even if the Texans do decide to trade Watson, I don't know how much money they're going to be willing to take back. So, you know, you look at this deal involving that golf contract that, you know, if it was the other way around where, you know, Watson was maybe on his rookie deal or something and they could take some money back, it'd be different. But that's another thing where the the Texans don't have a lot of leverage. They can't really take back a lot of money or absorb a big hit like a lot of these other rebuilding teams might be able to. Yeah, it reminds you a lot of that Brock Osweiler deal. I, I forget where he ended up, and you know they kind of yeah, just absorbed, or yeah, he ended up in Cleveland and just kind of you know they just took on that entire contract. I mean, it's kind of what the Dolphins it's did last year with yeah. the keep. Well, I was gonna say with the keep to leave too, didn't they? Just literally bring him oh, yes. over injured, and and we just made the jokes. You know how he was going gonna go out there and snatch chains, but I mean I don't think he played a game all year, and the Dolphins absorbed that contract. So you know they got like they won a seventh out of it or something. It, it was something, like something not, but I mean obviously this is to a different degree, but right. I mean. It's just something that we've seen, and, you know, it's smart for the book. So um, we'll see the way it all shapes up. But I think when it's all said and done, I just think it's nice to, to finally hear that someone did not want to go to play in New England. That's at the end of the day. I mean, if you would look at the spark notes of that conversation here, um, we could even title this podcast at the end of the day. Somebody didn't want to play in New England. That actually, you know what, Josh, that's the, that's the headline of the show. F it, send it in. F it, send it. <laughs> it's been decided. Hey, we're going to jump into our break on the other side. We're going to chat about more quarterback talk and Brian Flores and his staff taking a 27 to 24 win at the senior bowl. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. And Jake, we mentioned the Reese's shower earlier, but we have to talk about it. The Dolphins 27-24, sorry, the national team's 27-24 victory over the American team. And you know, what was most fascinating here and kind of the whole story throughout the week was the Dolphins did not have an offense coordinator. We still do not know who it is. Could it be a a Kafka? Could it be a Goodwin, as we mentioned on some of these previous podcasts? Or could it be that, you know, the internal promotion from within? And we saw Eric Studsville and George Godsey, they both split the reps throughout this game. And, you know, that was just kind of the whole tale of the tape throughout the entire week. So uh, this is still undecided. We still do not know who the Dolphins offense coordinator is. But, again, they did go out there. They found a way to overcome this and get a 27-24 victory. And, again, we can sit here and we can talk about the offense coordinators, but we can also sit here and talk about just how valuable this entire week was for Brian Flores and his coaching staff to get this up-close look at these young prospects, again, in one of these crazy untraditional years so Jake tell me what you're thinking about the offense coordinator and then we'll get into some of the prospects we liked at the senior bowl 
I had to start by saying that I think the Miami Herald reported that uh, Goodwin had has had no conversations with the Miami Dolphins about the job. So if it's somebody still playing, Kafka's the one that makes sense there. Studsville. Well, I was also corrected and told that Kafka said he was going to stay in Kansas City. But to that point, if the Dolphins kept this thing under wraps this entire time and they didn't want to make this a distraction, is that not exactly what these coordinators would go out there and say if if they did, in fact, have contact? So I don't know how much of that to take note of, but it was very interesting that that name now, you know, is being thrown out there today. And, you know, we'll see how it all shapes up. But I definitely have my eyes on those Kafka and those Goodwin interviews because whether it's them, whether it's Studsville or uh, Godsey, you know, it's going to be interesting to see because whether it's Tua, whether it's Watson, whoever the quarterback is, this is that marriage that's ultimately going to take this offense to where Flores needs it to go if he wants to have success in Miami. Yeah, and the thing that I think confuses me a little bit is the fact that there was an initial uh, list of guys announced that the Dolphins were going to interview for the offensive coordinator position. How could they be having interviews in secret? I mean, that's something that's coming up. Don't don't they have to report this stuff? How on earth could this be happening? I mean, we all know that the Dolphins are one of the most tight-lipped organizations now. Uh, I know, you know, Flores is only going to say what he has to say, but I I don't I thought you kind of had to say if you were talking to someone about a job, you had to request an interview. I don't see why a team like I don't know the Chiefs would like hide this for the sake of helping the Dolphins. It doesn't really make too much sense to me. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know enough about it. Again, we were just kind of throwing names out there. You had a guy with that didn't even have an Avi tell you it was Kafka. I had someone who just threw out the name Goodwin. And, you know, we've heard these guys linked to the Dolphins. So it was just it's all speculation. You know, maybe this should be talked about in the Twilight Zone. But, again, if it was going to be that internal hire, if it was going to be a Gods, if it was going to be a Studsville, we talked about maybe this week was going to be that, you know, that competition, that almost uh, an audition to see which one should be the offense coordinator. But at some point, I mean, we have to know, right? I mean, we're doing this. It is now Monday at 6 p.m. And at some point, I mean, if it were between the two, you should know enough by now to, to make that decision. So that just makes you speculate even more that it has to be someone. But you're right. They shouldn't be able to keep this at under wraps as well and if they did kudos to Brian Flores because we saw in the past I mean even when they made the, the change to Tua Tungvaluwa or even when you know he was injured and coming in to start I mean his agent leaked that I mean things have been leaked more often this season than we've seen in the in year one with Brian Flores and uh, you know maybe it's his intent now to keep things under wrap. Eric Studsville coached the first half and the offense scored 13 points Studsville was the running back coach in 2020 and Godsey as we know was the tight end coach Kind of worked with the quarterbacks, though, when the offensive coordinator uh, wasn't down on the field. We know Gailey liked to be up in the booth. He called the offense in the second half and scored 14 points. Technically, you know, outscored him uh, in that second half there, 14 to 13. We could get into the debate about, hey, well, you know, different guys are playing in the second half. You're starting to pull starters, yada, yada, yada. You could even say that the game really doesn't matter. It was kind of like a more, you know, creative practice. But, Josh, who are some of the players that you really thought stood out and made a case that they should be drafted by the Dolphins in, in this year's draft? Yeah, first thing I got to admit is I did not get to watch nearly as much tape before this game as I normally would, and I really didn't get to watch as much throughout the week as I normally would, but I did have access to some practice film, and again, I did watch that game. So I just posted an article, 10 players, and I, I just named it that the Dolphins probably fell in love with this week. I mean, we can sit here and talk about Devontae Smith, Najee Harris. We know they didn't play in the game, but we know they have that relationship with Tua. We know they are both at the very top of their classes at positions that the Dolphins desperately need, whether it be running back, whether it be wide receivers. Those should be guys that Brian Flores is very much interested in. Some other guys, again, we mentioned Creed Humphrey. He's probably the number one center in this entire class. Where would the he guys, get picked? I mean, Sorry. that's Sorry a, for that's a, that, 
don't don't be sorry. I mean, that to me is either it's going to be Najee Harris again, who we just talked about, or it might have to be Creed Humphrey. And I mean, at that point, do you go with the center or do you believe in what the Dolphins kind of already went with? And that is that they can get a, you know, Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed to have, you know, 4.1 yards per carry behind an offensive line with a Creed Humphrey. I mean, mm-hmm. so uh, you kind of got to weigh your pros and cons here. But to, to me, I mean, this is the number one center. And we talked about Ted Karras before. I mean, he, he's fine. He, he's a decent center, but uh, I think they could upgrade there. And then I mentioned Demetric Felton, and this is just a wide receiver that all week long has created separation. And we continue to talk about how the Dolphins need those skill players to create separation, just like Amari Rodgers did on the American team. So those are some receivers. Rashad Weaver, a defensive lineman who just fits that Shaq Lawson, that Emmanuel Agba build. And I can just sit here and go down the list. Cam Sample, defensive lineman from Tulane. I do have to give a shout-out to Philip Dillingham, a guy on Twitter, a draftnik who gave me kind of a – said before this entire thing started, how let's give this guy a look. He, he showed all week long that he was an absolute stud. We all know Quinn Miners, the offensive lineman from Wisconsin, Whitewater – broke his hand at practice and tried to argue with Brian Flores that he wanted to go out there. He actually suited up on game day, Jake, just to stay on the sideline. He was ready to go in the game with a broken hand. The Dolphins <laughs> want those smart, those tough, and those competitive players. I mean, uh, who better than this guy? I mean, but but with trying to convince your coach to go in with a broken hand, I mean, that doesn't sound too smart. You know, Flores is really going to, you know, now you should probably sit out. You should probably uh, focus on, you know, fixing or letting your uh, wrist heal there. Josh, uh, we know, like, like we're, we've talked so much about the first-round guys. Was there someone here that has been mocked in maybe the third or fourth round that you think could be that real steal? You look at someone who was drafted in the second round, like Raekwon Davis was on the all-rookie team. You know, the Dolphins, they need to hit up more than just these first-round picks. Was there anyone you kind of see, like I said, mocked in that second, third round who might, you know, surprise once they hit the field at the NFL level? Yeah, you know, a couple of these guys I mentioned, Rashad Weaver, he's a guy who's probably one of those second-day picks. Amari Rogers, the wide receiver, again, him and Demetric Felton have been creating separation all week, have been showing those quick feet and just the ability to, you know, whether they're playing on the inside, the outside, just to be able to make those plays that this Dolphins offense desperately lacks. So, I mean, I list off a bunch of guys that I think are more likely those day two and day three prospects. And, you know, that is where the Dolphins are going to ultimately find those acorns. And, you know, we sit here and we can go down the Dolphins past drafts. And, you know, most of the players on this roster right now were not found on day one. So uh, a lot of acorns. And again, it was invaluable just how important it was for Brian Florida's staff to get out there and get a chance with these guys all week long and next we have a recap of the pro bowl all right moving on josh you know i was really thinking about uh the the dolphins who won who won the pro bowl i don't know i I don't know okay the nfc one i don't know the score (laughs) but i did i did see the nfc one so I've been thinking a lot about that uh, Miami Herald column a couple weeks ago uh where it was a couple players questioning what the dolphins were doing with tua Basically saying he was the starting quarterback, despite the fact everyone needs to compete, nobody's a starter, yada, 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 that type of stuff. And it's just so interesting because as the Watson rumors heat up more and more, ESPN, they're still riding high that they think he's going to end up being on the Miami Dolphins. Um, But you think back a month ago, you know, there was these players saying, hey, you know, why, why isn't anybody questioning this guy? He's the starter no matter what according to the head coach. But all we've done for the last, you know, two months now is talk about Tua's job. And now today he was going on and did a little national media run and spoke to a couple different guys, Dan Patrick. I think he was on um, 
Mark Greenberg's show. So I think that's just a little ironic, and I thought that was worth talking about, the fact that, you know, Brian Forrest came out and said, you know, Tua's the, you know, starter, and all the players kind of took that at its word, like, hey, he's the guy, you know, we're going to question it, but it's w- what it is. But now, I mean, we can't stop talking about, you know, a potential change at the quarterback position. I wonder how much of this was because, you know, just how much hype surrounded Tua Tungavaloa, you know, and this is even dates back to way before Dolphin fans wanted him, you know, other fan bases wanted to tank for Tua. So do you think any of that had to do with it? Do you think some of these veterans and just, you know, the national media, I mean, they were just waiting for someone out of this draft class to fail so they could just jump on. And I don't want to sit here and say Tua Tungavaloa failed, but when you look at him compared to how Joe Burrow did before the injury, what Justin Herbert did, you know, setting records, I mean, some people would say Tua Tungavaloa, you know, had the worst season out of them. And then you can even compare him to a Jalen Hurts. I mean, by our standards, I like what Tua Tungavaloa did. We believe that we can build around him. We believe that he's the future quarterback here, but it's just because that we sat here. Do you think it's because we sat here week after week and you know I'm just as guilty I'm probably more guilty than most but we sat here and we thought he was going to be this great talent right out the gate we knew he had to sit there we knew maybe that he could sit there and and take the year off and maybe that's what he needed but it's just crazy to me that we're all sitting here jumping on Tua Tagovailoa right now and it's because right now he is the most polarizing figure for the Miami Dolphins and maybe that goes back to just him being that most hyped up guy since Dan Marino himself what do you think about it Outside of, you know, the, the tank for Tua stuff and, you know, Brian Flores saying that, Tua's always had to compete. You know, think about it. Each week, you know, you wonder, is Fitzpatrick going to come in? A lot of those conversations started throughout the year. You think about the Denver game. You think about the Oakland game. Tua said today he even thought he had a subpar year and understands he needed to get better. But And then you can kind of go a step further. The only game that Fitzpatrick wasn't there to compete with Tua was arguably his worst game of the season, Week 17, against the Bills. And now he's competing against guys that aren't even on his team. And, Josh, I, I just I want to put this in, in the calendar for, you know, halfway through the 2021 season season if two is still the starting quarterback of the Miami Dolphins at that time which I still at the end of the day think he's probably going to be um I just already know the Miami Herald co- is going to have a column about how you know everyone doubted him there was so much noise after his rookie year you know possibly being traded for a, a you know a more polished product he had to cancel out all the noise I already know I already know all the dramatic lines are going to be used it's just kind of sitting there in my crystal ball uh, because this is a situation we can only compare it to one quarterback in the last you know 20 years that the Dolphins really have you know wanted to hold on to and want to develop and that's Ryan Tannehill and it seems here that despite Brian Flores said uh, to us the starter, everything else that this franchise has done has proven that he's had to compete every step of the way. And that's the same Miami Herald that, you know, had that little snide remark to Tua, you know, whispers Ryan Fitzpatrick's the better quarterback. But this is a little bit disheartening, and it just kind of sucks when you're Tua Tonvalo because you went out there and, again, by Miami Dolphin fan standards, he went out there and he had a, a very good season. And we sit here and we look at what we went through with Ryan Tannehill. And, you know, you mentioned him. We sat here for seven years all believing in Ryan Tannehill. And people are ready mm-hmm. to give up on Tua Tagovailoa right now. And I think the difference is whether you want to give up on Tua Tagovailoa for Deshaun Watson. I mean, th- that's different. You're not giving up on Tua. You know, you're upgrading right now to a top five quarterback. But wanting to draft a quarterback like some people. Wanting to completely just, you know, get rid of Tua Tagovailoa. That's crazy to me and you know he was on the different radio shows like you said and he was asked this question and he was asked whether or not he believes he's going to be Miami and he said in my mind and in my heart I would hope so with the way things went last year you always have to prove yourself to do better and I want to do better 
And then on the Dan Patrick made a comment about if he should buy to his jersey this year, if he's going to be a Dolphin. And he said, that's something that I can't control. I don't have any control over those trade deals and whatnot. And this is something that, again, it's going to continue to go on until Deshaun Watson's inevitably traded. And it's not a knock against Tua Tungvaloa. It's not saying you don't have faith in Tua, but you just can't overlook the possibility of bringing a 25-year-old guy like Deshaun Watson that could go out there and, again, they say here and they say if he goes to the Jets, the Jets could be contenders with Josh Allen for the next 10 to 12 years. You know, they're right there in the thick of things in the AFC. That is what the Dolphins have the chance to do and to just think that they might sit back and just let this whole thing play out, Jake. I mean, I don't know how I feel. I wake up every day, and 51% of me wants to be all behind Tua Tonvaloa. And I, again, I truly believe in him. But the other part of me sees, again, a Deshaun Watson Photoshop. And I just can't help but think, what if? You know, it's always the, the idea that I just go having a top five quarterback and having a top five head coach, that's all you want on your team. You know, everything else kind of works itself out if you have those two things. That is the key to success. But yeah, you know, it is is fun then to, you know, think about the first round picks that the Miami Dolphins have. Uh, the the biggest takeaway I had from these interviews that Tua did, I don't think he said anything, uh, you know, world changing. I don't think he'd ever come out and say, yeah, I think I'm going to be traded or, you know, yeah, you know, I thought I played great. Why is everyone hating on me? I, I you know, he he's a smart kid. He knows he has to play better. I mean, we have to keep in mind that he didn't have a preseason. The way he plays his style, it takes a lot of reps to get that timing to get that feeling down to understand when you have to get rid of the ball maybe his biggest weakness in this last season was that you know a uh, quick touch that he really needed to be that guy who can dice up defenses but the best thing he said to me was that there's a big difference in his health this season this offseason excuse me compared to last season when he was coming off his serious hip injury and you know this year it's just all about one thing and football and Josh that I think brought up a question that, that, you know, popped into my head. Was there a time all throughout his rookie season that we ever, you know, maybe brought up the possibility that the hip had anything to do with any of his performances? Because I want to say no. I, I've never once throughout that entire year thought, you know, oh, he played bad because of his hip or, oh, you know, he looks really healthy. He just, you know, looked like a 100%, you know, rookie quarterback out there. Yeah, I can't argue with that. And again, he admits himself that he had – I mean, he said he had a below average year, and I think that's being a little harsh on himself. But again, he's saying all the right things in these interviews, and he's basically saying, I got to get better. I know the mistakes I, I made. I know the things I need to correct. And he's saying everything that you want to hear from a guy. But, uh, you know, it just seemed like, and I don't want to say he sounded defeated, but you could just tell that, you know, this is going to be a long process, and he's going to have to get used to hearing these questions, as we all are. And, you know, we see it every day on Twitter, the back and forth, and it's just going to be a long process again until Deshaun Watson's wearing another team's jersey. As of right now, anyone who's asked the Dolphins, I think the Miami Herald also reported that they're kind of shrugging it off, like the Tunsil deal, uh, which is understandable. And I have to assume they have the same mindset as they had in the Tunsil deal. They're not going to make a move unless they're blown away with uh, you know, the trade proposal that's brought their way. I think that's the only way Watson becomes a Miami Dolphin. I think that's probably the way it's going to be, and I think that's how the Dolphins are playing it. They're not going to tell Tua anything because I don't think they're – walking into this offseason with the idea of trading him. But like the Tunsil deal, if the Texans knock on your door and it's a, it's a you know, game-changing deal again, where, you know, it's not maybe not the biggest, highest like the Tunsil thing, but a deal you can kind of get behind, I mean, that's, that's going to be the difference maker. But as of right now, I, I kind of understand their mindset of time to prepare for the draft. We just had a bunch of guys at the Senior Bowl. Uh, let's build this roster. 
And doesn't this feel so much like the Tunsil deal? I mean, and me and you joked, I believe, off air before, and I got that Larry Tunsil helmet signed, and, you know, a couple weeks later, he got traded. And, yes, I won a fantasy league, and, yes, I bought a Tua Tonga Vailoa signed helmet. So, Jake, please tell me, you know, does this not have that same feel where, you know, we're starting to hear the smoke and the rumors, and we hear the fans, you know, this isn't true. There's no way this is going to happen. But you're slowly starting to hear, hear the ties, and, you know, I just feel like one day we're going to wake up and is unimaginable and, you know, as unlikely and, and truly unnecessary as this trade might be, I feel like we're going to get that notification. And at that point, you know, our world's going to be flipped upside down. Josh, I got to say, you know, there, there's a lot of debate both ways if you want to keep uh, Tua or if you want to trade for Watson. Um, and I again, I'm pretty open to both. I, I trust what Greer is doing. I trust what Flores is doing. I'd like to see either scenario play out. That's kind of what makes this such an exciting situation. I think we can all agree on one situation we don't want to see pan out is, you mentioned it, you go to look at that phone, and it's just a trade to the Jets. I mean, I if Watson leaves the Texans, it just cannot be the Jets. And anyone else I'd be cool with, uh, I would just be legitimately upset, concerned, and a little scared for their future if, if Watson becomes the new guy in, in New York. Not the Patriots. We don't want the Patriots either. We don't Good think point. it's likely. I don't think Good it's point. possible. But please, God, no, do not let that happen. Gosh, this is it. We got one last football game to wrap up the season. We're sitting here. You mentioned it. We're recording this on Monday night, and I gotta say, I'm I'm struggling over here, not being able to watch a or be preparing for a football game, setting a couple of Fanduel lineups. It's certainly not the same in the off season and the regular season. Postseason all certainly flew by. Josh, this was it. This was like a Super Bowl preview. We didn't mention the Super Bowl once. We'll try to do a couple of shows later this week. Maybe some fin sliders. Let us know what you think of those. And as always, your comments are always appreciated. You can find us on Twitter. Have a chat with us. I'm at jmendel94, at Houts, H-O-U-T-Z. And if you want to know the next time a Finsider Radio is coming to your feed, you got to put it there. Hit that subscribe button. And if you're liking what you're listening to, leave a five-star review. Leave a comment wherever you listen to podcasts. That stuff helps us out a lot, too. Josh, we're going to go make some igloos. We're going to call it a night. We're both dealing with a lot of snow. Fins up, my friend. Guys, thanks for listening. And Finsider uh, Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami